Hi everyone, John Clare here, and welcome to the Evofy Podcast. On this episode, we talk all things residential real estate with local real estate expert Cabell Childress, owner of the Cabell Childress Group. Cabell and his team are consistently ranked as top realtors in the area, selling something like 250 houses last year. If you live in the Richmond area, you've likely seen his pineapple logoed signs in somebody's front yard. Anyway, Cabell's a great guy, and as you'll see, he knows his stuff. As he mentioned, this was his first ever podcast, and we think he did a pretty good job. Today, we've got the EvoFi team here, me, Dave O'Brien, and Penny Lowbread as well. If you're not already a subscriber to this podcast, please subscribe. You can find us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Plus, we love feedback and questions, so drop us a line at evofipodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter or Instagram at evofipodcast. As a reminder, this podcast is 100% free of any tax, legal, or investment advice. Our goal here is education and a little fun. If you need advice in any of the areas mentioned, tailored to your specific circumstances, feel free to give us a call and we'll do our best to help. With that said, here's the EvoFi team talking with Cabell Childress. Enjoy. Today, we welcome Cabell Childress of the Cabell Childress Group. We're going to talk about the ABCs of residential real estate, or so I've called it. Um, I'd like to welcome everyone to the podcast. We've got with us Penny Lowbread, Dave O'Brien. I'm John Clare, and Cabell Childress is with us. Welcome, Cabell. Thanks for having me. This is Cabell's first podcast, and we've promised to make this fun and painless. So before we dive in with the real hard questions... Give us a little bit of background about you and and your team. I grew up here in Richmond, Virginia. I've been in real estate for 17 years. Uh, Local, went to Freeman High School, University of Richmond. Uh, I've got a team of eight people. Three people support on the inside, inside the office, and uh, I've got five salespeople. Uh, We have, we sell around 225 to 250 transactions a year. Um, we, with a lot of houses. Yeah, yeah. We work. We uh, we just have an amazing team with uh, incredible support, and we focus on service. And ninety five percent of our business comes from referrals and uh, repeat business and word of mouth. And I think we're doing it pretty well, and we're we have fun and love making our clients happy. And that's why we had you on the podcast. I've I've worked with you in the past, and I've figured you'd be just the right guy for the podcast. And you went to you were a spider. I didn't know that. Uh, yeah. Did you? Uh, did you go? Did you know Dave? He graduated in '56, I think. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> no, no. No, we got a big game uh, coming up on Saturday, yeah. three o'clock. James JV. Madison. Yeah. Unfortunately, I'm sitting on the purple side. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 How can oh, you yeah. do that? Oh, yeah. Married into it. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, good point. Right. Good point. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'll be wearing orange and maroon. So. Yeah, I am. Uh, even worse. A little scared. <laughs> a little scared, but I hope uh, things turn out in my favor. Well, it could be worse. You could be playing ODU. That's Ooh. true. Who, That's who my Hokies. That Don't bring that up. That's true. Yeah, it was not pretty. Glad I missed the game. Anyhow. We have a loss, too, by the way. Auburn? Yeah. You know Who'd you guys lose to? Oh, we lost to LSU. Oh, well, at least you lost to a respectable ODU. opponent. I, no offense to the ODU fans out there. Doesn't LSU, well, I won't, I won't say anything. Never mind. 
Dave was going to dangerous territory there. Even he he's learned by now. No, it's not Penny. It's the LSU fans that might be listening. Oh. I don't want to. Okay. Yeah. Um, so uh, I figured this topic was actually pretty good because it's, in most cases, with the exception of Mariami over here, uh, our associate producer, um, most of us have experience in residential real estate. We've all moved and bought and sold houses. As I was thinking, though, we don't often have time to think about some of those questions when we're in it. Usually it's very specific because it's our situation. And so I thought this would be a good chance for people who feel like they've had experience to at least step back and talk about some of the basics and things that um, may be important that they never thought about. So, all right. So to get the juices flowing, Cabell, this is the part where we're going to break the ice and uh, have some fun. This is what we call the Evo 5, Evo 5 and 5 questions. Just to break the ice. So the first question, you ever watch, you seem like a A&E kind of guy. You ever watch Inside the Actor Studio? I work too hard. I don't okay. watch TV. I figured. It was a loaded question. <laughs> anyway, it's a TV show. And they ask celebrities some interesting questions. So we're going to start with five of these, not related to real estate at all. Okay. And unless you make them real estate. What was your first job? I cut grass. I had like. Eight eight lawns that I took care of, and I did a really really good job at it. So was that was it your first uh, venture into real estate, right? Making uh, making property look nice. Sure, they, you can look at it that way, and it taught me hard work at a very young age. Thank you, mommy and daddy. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite word? Love. That's nice. Yeah. Any any particular reason? I don't know. It's it's a powerful word and. Life is better with it, more of that in it. That's well said. That's well said. All right, I'm going to let you go on that one. Thank you. How old, this is a tough question if you think about it. Maybe not. How old would you be if you didn't know how old you are? For the record, I don't love this question. Probably 40, because I'm 43, and I probably could start to count how old I was at three. Okay. Oh. Yeah. There you go. That's very logical. So, so yeah, wow, that's deep. I'm gonna that's leave that. Lot, I'm gonna yeah. leave that. All right, that, greatest that, of all time. John would be like thirty because I'd be negative ten. No, you'd be you'd be like five because he started learning how to count about five years ago. That's encouraging considering that. the business that he's in. Yeah, <laughs> I'm st- never mind. All right, so I was gonna say something smart, Alecky, but we'll just move on. All right, greatest of all time. This is the goat question. Who comes to mind if I say who's the greatest of all time? It can be in sports, business, entertainment, anything else, politics. Michael Jordan. Yeah. Big best basketball fan. I like to watch basketball. Yeah. You ever watch the Hornets play? It's not the Hornets anymore. Is it? It's the, it used to be the Bobcats. I guess it's the Hornets again, right? I don't know. Okay. Are you talking about Charlotte? Yeah. yeah. What are they called now? The Pelicans? Oh, That's you, right. Where'd you get them from? He owns a team. Did I just stump Penny on a sports question? I have. The I'm time. A, I'd do a mic drop if I, these mics weren't too expensive. All right. You can throw something at me. Good answer. All right, here's a, this is a fun one. Maybe it's just fun to me, but this is the Name That Tune section. All right. So we always play one song in the spirit of the podcast. And he's looking at me like, oh, man. I promise not to make a fool of you. All right. Now I'm going to play it through the mic. He tried to look. Uh, and I'm going to give you a little bit of chance to, now to be fair. We've only had two guests get this right. Two guests out of all the podcasts. I see Dave trying to peek too. You guys. Ready? Here we go. Beef don't fry in the kitchen. Beef don't burn on the grill. 
It's an Elvis Presley song. I'm looking, it says the Jeffersons, but I don't know who sings it yet. Here it comes. Wait for it. Wait for it. Theme from the Jeffersons moving on up. I figure in the real George and Wheezy and his dry cleaning business. I figured that was a, that was yeah. a giveaway. But you know what? If you don't watch a lot of TV, you probably didn't watch a lot of Jeffersons. I Different did. Strokes. I did actually. It's the, the beginning kind of caught me. It sounded like Elvis Presley. Yeah, it's kind of bluesy. Thought. You know, I could see that. A little bit of gospel in there. All right. Well. Sorry. I enjoyed that song a lot uh, in selecting it. But here we go. All right. So let's talk about why you're here. All right, so, uh, you know, depending on what survey I look at or what magazine I read, I always see Cabell Childress all over the place. So top this, top that. So clearly you know a little bit about this market, and our listeners are outside of Virginia as well. But talk a little bit about kind of some of the trends you're seeing out there just in terms of um, what buyers are looking for, what sellers are looking for, different areas, new construction, existing construction, kind of general things that you're seeing out there. Well, I'm seeing it. it's a very uh, it's a very healthy market. Um, I think you know, historically speaking, interest rates. Even though they did raise the rates today, interest rates are still very affordable. I mean, borrowing money is very attractive, even at the rates that we have today. Um, so the affordability for people of all different you know economic backgrounds and situations, I think, are uh, it's a good time to buy. Um, it's a good time to leverage. Uh, I think that um, certain it's it's. I think it's a healthy market right now. Uh, it, it, our my market tends to be more seasonal, where at the first half of the year is really where we do probably about sixty five percent, seventy percent of our business actually from January to June, through June. Um, and so, but we're starting to see a good fall market. The last couple of falls have been very slow for us. Uh, a lot of it was because two years ago, the election really kind of scared a lot of people. And then last year, uh, for some reason, the fall market really didn't kick in like uh, it has in the past, uh, prior to the election uh, two years ago. And uh, it's just, I, I think that, again, overall, very healthy. Um, the areas, there are some areas in Richmond that are a lot hotter than others. Mm-hmm. Uh, more centrally located to the city is where it's the hottest, uh, whether it be Area 10, the Fan, uh, the North Side, Westover Hills, um, and then moving west, Area 20, which is like Malvern area, um, Grove Libby, Malvern, uh, River Road Corridor, South River Road, Cary Street, but those are all hot, right? I mean, those it seems like those are always the places that people want to go. Is it different now? Well, I mean, back in 2006, 7, 8, uh, there wasn't really – I mean, it's still – it was everybody was freaked out. And, and I, I would say that because I lived in the fan during that. I was actually selling my own personal home on Hanover Avenue when 07 happened, and it, like, happened before my eyes. And I just happened to have my house on the market, and uh, it was very difficult to sell a house in the fan. Mm-hmm. So – um, but I think that, uh, you know, Glen Allen, you know, Midlothian, Robius Corridor, um, uh, you know, if you can get like, you know, if you're within 
a good, you know, 10 to 20 minutes from Shore Pump Mall, uh, Goochland. I mean, it's still still very healthy and stable. And I think a lot of that's, you know, the economy's doing well, and then rates are still historically very attractive. Do you find that, uh, like, new construction, are there things moving faster than others, new construction versus existing construction? Do you see any difference in, in the way those are moving? You know, I, I, new construction versus existing construction, I think that it's just a different buyer. Uh, I think that with new construction, obviously, it's somebody that doesn't want to buy a used car. They don't want to buy, you know, they don't want hand-me-downs uh, for clothing. They, There's a certain buyer that just really wants their own. They want to pick it. They want to select it. They want, you know, the, the their finishes, not somebody else's finishes. And then it's also, as far as a maintenance perspective, people want, uh, property that they feel is they don't have to do anything to and that it's de- you know reliable and they don't have to replace the systems anytime in the near future uh, it's just a different mindset as far as um, I think that the new con- the construction obviously builders are putting up homes as fast as we can count so obviously that uh, that market is Obviously, there's something going on right there because the builders wouldn't be doing what they're doing mm-hmm. if it wasn't uh, if it wasn't a, a healthy uh, time to build homes. Um, but you know the the resales are are moving very quickly. Uh, you know, sometimes people ask me like, you know, then you have a, a value buyer, and a value buyer asks, uh, where can I get the best deal? And um, I feel like uh, if you if you want to deal, I don't think you build. Um, in my personal opinion, all of this is my opinion. I mean, everybody's got one, but sure. I mean, I yeah. I just put my expertise to work and 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 what I what I'm telling you right now. And like a lot of builders won't negotiate off of their price, and people are willing to pay whatever the builder's asking because they can have the cabinets and the flooring and the backsplash and the the lot that they want and if the house is already built uh they're really they're sacrificing some of the the personal uh, appeal or the you know their their taste so to speak knowing that they're gonna have to do the work later um but i think there are opportunities out there in area 20 uh, up in you know Pump Road area, um, a little bit further out west. Uh, I'm sorry, area 22. That um, there are still you can negotiate pretty well with the seller. Um, and then if you go further in east uh, in the Fan or Museum District or Tucko Elementary School, uh, you're probably going to have a bidding war, mm-hmm. and you've got one house with uh, agents listing the house on a Tuesday. Uh, they they start showings on a Thursday and they don't look at offers till a Monday or a Sunday, and that is still going on and it's crazy. Um, I mean I, I mean where I've seen I've seen uh, to the extreme uh, someone receives seven offers, uh, property sells for over a hundred thousand dollars more than what the listing price is. They are all cash buyers. There is no inspection. And there's no appraisal. Wow. So, Kevin, wow. you've been at this for a couple of decades? Not quite, but getting up So, there. you've seen some cycles. Mm-hmm. What 
is different about where we are now than what you've seen before and what's still the same? Well, people now are seem to have equity in their homes um, where, you know, right after 2007, 2008, uh, a lot of my home appointments, listing appointments, I had to explain to people that they, they had to pay mm-hmm. either write a check to sell their home or uh, talk to the bank about a short sale and get the, get the banks to, to excuse, hopefully, or forgive the deficiency on the loan. Yep. Um, you know, I've seen rates uh, higher than where they are, uh, a lot higher. Um, th- people are very confident and sure of the real estate market, which, which tends uh, to make me kind of question how long it's going to be like this. Do you get a lot of questions around that? People I ask do. You, are we at a top? Or I do, and I don't know how to answer that because <laughs> I don't have a crystal wall. But yes, I am asked that often. Um, I've got a client right now that's a doctor that is very great guy. We're having a lot of fun. Uh, he he is very wise, and he's a very much of a value purchaser. And when we look at homes, he is trying to find the best deal right now because he is anticipating that um, if he sells that it very well the market will not be as strong or healthy sure uh, as it is right now what about as far as uh, buyers preferences I see a lot of you know condos going up or say 20 years ago in Richmond you didn't see as many of those what trends are you seeing that people are well, those are in like buying mixed into? Use areas mm-hmm. too. So yeah there's a lot, a lot of, of that like vertical living with with, um, you know, trying to give an urban feel kind of to a suburban right. setting. So definitely in the West End, you're seeing a bunch of that. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of that. And um, what was the question? Or Just trends that are yeah. things that you're perceiving are yeah. playing so, out well. So people, people like convenience. They like easy. People love easy right now. And, um, you know, I don't know if it's as much of a demographic uh, appeal, but there are a lot of people that are downsizing right now that um, people seem that they are moving, shifting more towards more simply and Mm -hmm. less is best. Uh, You have that buyer, but you also have a buyer that is an empty nester where the kids are in college and they don't need a 6,000 square foot home and they're looking for a 3,000 square foot home or less with a first floor master and um and they like to be near the walkability is huge whether you know everybody likes walkability everybody wants to be able to walk down the street and go get something at the market that they don't have at their house or go to a nice dinner or go to a bar and relax um and that's what like i'm thinking about um west broad village i'm thinking about green gate um and uh there are also some other uh, neighborhoods um, like Grayson Hill that's at the corner of Patterson and Parham and Monument Square and we've sold houses in every single one of these neighborhoods that, that I've just mentioned and um, I think the trends are working I think uh, Monument Square well, they, were con- they were building in the midst of the downturn and as you probably everybody saw because Monument's a pretty st- popular street that Nothing was going on there for about four years, five years. Um, and then they decided to conveniently pick up 
where when when the market was more promising and they knew that the properties were going to sell and so with those types of properties being a popular um, purchase for an awful lot of buyers who's buying those 6000 square foot houses that they're moving out of in the neighborhoods that aren't walkable and, a good question you know or, or aren't walkable to a store a bar a restaurant right uh, young younger families uh, probably you know, younger professionals, not too young, because those 6,000 square foot homes are probably, They're not cheap, huh? you know, got seven figures uh, in there on the price. Not necessarily, but, um, you know, young families um, want to be, they could be in the county, they could be in the city as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's just, I, I've noticed that the stage of life that people go through when the longer I'm in the business that I just see the trend to your talk. You asked about trends. Um, you know, I'm a perfect example. I, I, I grew up in, I'm, well, I lived in on Hanover Avenue in the fan when I got married, when I was about 25, then we moved to Tucko Terrace, which is that neighborhood between Grove and Cary near Libyan Grove, which is a little bit West, a little bit bigger lot, a little bit bigger house. Did not have a, I went from a garage in the fan to no garage in Tucko Terrace. That was tough, and my ceilings were not 11, 12 feet. They were eight and a half. That was hmm. a that was a tough to, adjustment. But then, now we live uh, out in the Tucko Elementary School District on an acre, bigger house. You know, so just people tend to move out of the city and get a little bit larger the more kids they have, and then my wife. I didn't want to leave the fan because I love the fan personally. I know y'all aren't asking me about my personal preferences, but my wife, uh, she didn't want she she didn't feel comfortable having raising a family with children in the city, and so our arrangement was or our agreement that I still remind her of multiple times a year is that uh, we will move back to the fan <laughs> when the kids are in college. So, how many years is that? Not that you're counting. Probably twelve. Okay. All right. Well, so, so I don't me, know if I answered your question. Yeah, you did. That's I good. Because so, I mean, right. a lot of, I think a lot of folks listening, a lot of folks that we that we work with, um, they kind of fall into that. You know, mm-hmm. they've got the big house, and at some point, the question becomes, from a planning standpoint, what are you going to put in your pocket after you move? And in, you know, just like you said, we don't have crystal ball either. So I think it's helpful to hear your experiences and. Uh, and kind of pick up on what, what trends are going on. And, and, of course, nobody knows what's going to happen in the future. It's good to know that people are actually buying those houses. Yeah. And, again, Dave's a good example of that. He's the new, new empty nester with 8,000 square Perfectly feet. Perfectly described. So. Yeah. Yeah, well, one thing I wanted to say also to that is is I just think that um, if you're looking to buy right now, just be aware of, you know, it's not going to continue forever and just be aware of that when you buy and be smart and really ask yourself questions um are you are you buying this property for the right value let's ask questions so you've got that you know and this isn't a question i'm asking for myself we're not looking at me but uh just <laughs> well I, I can dave has a friend so you know one thing that we also uh, get a lot of questions about and i'm sure you do too but you might get them closer to the point where somebody's ready to put their house on the market we get them when somebody's anticipating being in their home for a while is what should i do should i you know 
redo the kitchen? Should I redo the bathrooms? Should I add on this? Should I add on that? And uh, where do you see people getting the most value? And I know a lot's been written on this, but today for Richmond and where people are putting their money and buying an existing home, we all know people don't want small closets and outdated bathrooms and so forth, but what's working? What are some stories that you can share that would be helpful? So I'll just go through what I share when I go on a listing appointment yeah. uh, with someone, and we, we consult uh, about how to maximize their value and their equity position in their home. Um, I uh, My listing appointment is about an hour. I talk about we go, I get a tour, I get a tour of the home. Uh, as we tour the home, I give they write down, and I sometimes write down for them on my iPad and a punch list of things to do prior to listing the home. Then I go through my presentation, my PowerPoint about what we do to market the home, and then we talk about pricing and pricing strategy. But during the walkthrough and the punch list, uh, I I always find myself, you know, a lot of y'all know this because HTV is declutter, declutter, declutter. Um, and I, and I'm trying to be very, it's the least favorite part of what I do in that, in that appointment. Cause I'm telling somebody what's wrong with their home, but I've got to be honest. Cause the more they do that, I suggest the faster their house will sell. And for the most amount of money, their house will sell. So a lot of it's decluttering a lot of it. It's cosmetic from working from the outside, from the street, the curb, all the way to the inside of the house. And it's, you know, making it really pop from the curb as far as the, the yard, pressure washing, the house, any decks, any hardscapes, uh, walkways, front stairs, um, making sure the yard looks as best as it can, uh, and you know bushes trimmed, beds weeded and mulched, and then on the interior, just less is best, less is best, let's say it all the time, painting walls, making it look fresh, because the, the less fresh and the more tired a house looks, the more opportunity you're giving a buyer to ding you on your price. And so you want it to really shine. And you want it to shine, even if there's not a lot of competition, you want it to shine because people will pay for the shine. And you want, you know, you don't have to repaint every room, but if you go and you're looking, a lot of times in the hallways and the stairways, particularly when people have kids, there are a lot of scuffs and blemishes and marks on the walls, like that's gotta go. Uh, the best paints are whites and grays. Uh, Gray Owl is a personal favorite of mine. You've used um, it before, huh? Oh, I love Gray Owl. Yeah, I'm addicted to Gray Owl right now. <laughs> um, and, you know, painting the walls uh, where needed, but you don't have to paint every wall. Uh, and it's okay to have some personal color, you know, not too crazy, but if a quarter of your home has a little flare and color in it and it's not white and it's not gray, that's okay. Um, and then... Uh, anything that might be visibly seen that's going to come up in the inspection anyways, if it's, you know, if I know it's going to come up in the inspection and you can see it like a rotten windowsill or a door that won't close properly, we want to fix that before we list it. And as far as updates, like I, I try to be as conservative and, and I try to be mindful of my, if this were my pocket, if this were my money, when I advise my clients, I don't recommend that they renovate the kitchen or the bathrooms unless they really need attention and it's not a full-on renovation. If it's in the kitchen and the counters are old for mica, then let's put some cheap level one granite down in the kitchen before we list it. Um, if it's old stain and it's worn looking, let's paint the cabinets. Let's not replace the cabinets. Let's paint the cabinets. Let's put a level one granite in there 
um, the bathrooms, if it's like linoleum on the floor, then maybe let's, you know, put some, you know, inexpensive marble. You can actually buy marble that's pretty reasonably or or ceramic plank and just not to, you know, change the vanity, change the toilet, nothing crazy, but just make it look and present better. What about staging? You hear about that all the time. If you don't stage your house, you're in trouble. Well, it depends on the house, really. Honestly, it's uh, we do have a stager that we work with um, that we uh, we will offer to pay for a consultation for our clients. Um, that uh, if a house needs it, um, I mean, it's it's crazy. I mean, sometimes I walk in a house and I'm like, "Do you live like this normally?" And there that's are people where a stager that, would be needed. That's right. That okay. it'd be a stager's home. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But it's crazy. I mean, but most of the time, like, there's a lot of there's a good amount of work that needs to be done to get the house ready to list. Um, but staging is a really good, and sometimes for me, it's actually worth the money for me because I'm not the one telling the client what they need to do. It's like that burden goes on the stager. So, so some good tips. You kind of walked right into a bunch of the things that I wanted to talk about, which were how to clean up a house for sale, decluttering. You know, making it look a little bit nicer, common sense, like pulling weeds, stuff like that. So talk about, you talk about, you go through a presentation around setting the right price, the listing price. So kind of, I know everybody, all of us have been there where we probably thought our houses were worth more than we actually listed them for. But what kind of guidance do you, can you give clients when you work with them about setting the right price? Yeah, I mean, that's a really, it's a, it's a challenge, one of the more difficult challenges I face, um, because a lot, most of the time, a seller thinks their house is worth more than I probably suggest that they list it for, and so that's just a constant battle. And I've got to be really careful and uh, sensitive uh, when I address that issue with my client. Um, and I want to respect the fact that it's their money, and I also want to not ignore that I don't have a crystal ball. But I've got to look at the comps, and I've got to look at the. I've got to look at the data within the immediate area. You know, I, I can't ignore the subdivision if there are enough comps to look at. I've got to look at the subdivision. I've got to look at like properties. There may be a house that was built in 2018 or 2016, but the subject property I'm getting ready to list was built in 1980. I mean, we can't use the 2016 house as a comp. Um, and it's got to be similar, similar sized home. Um, but, it's, it's a tough, I mean, so right now there are two ways to price a house. You overprice it or you underprice and let the market decide how much the house is worth. Because eventually everything sells for whatever the market thinks is worth anyway. So, um, you know, pricing it, like if I felt like, and I also feel, and I think maybe we talked about this at one point, John, that um, there's a psychological cutoff. And it's, if somebody's listening to their home and I think it's worth 400000 then, you know, they a lot of times think it's worth four hundred twenty-five thousand, and so just knowing that four hundred is a huge cutoff. It is um, that a huge cutoff? Oh yeah. yeah. So typically in that price point, like from two hundred to five six hundred, like at twenty-five thousand dollar increments, you know, three fifty, three seventy-five, four hundred, four twenty-five, four fifty. People cut their searches off when they have their agent set them up on a search. It's normally twenty-five thousand dollar increments. So I try to be mindful of that when I'm pricing a house. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe if I think it's worth 375, then maybe we list it at 385 because somebody looking up to 375, they're going to tell their agent, hey, go up to 400 or go up to 385 or 
go up to 390. They may go up 10, 15,000 over their cutoff or their comfortability. The lender, the, the, that, that, it all comes down to the monthly mortgage payment. Mm -hmm. So if that mortgage payment that they're comfortable with is 375, they may stretch and go to 385 or 390, maybe. But they're probably not going to look at a house for 400. So you just got to, and sometimes when I have houses listed, people are like, well, I mean, you know, we get feedback from every single person that looks at the house. We have a, a, a software that we use, and and people normally say the house is priced right because they don't want to hurt the opinion. They, they don't want to hurt the feelings of the seller. So I really try to look past that feedback and uh, just dig a little bit deeper into it. And, I mean, obviously, if a house has been on the market for 30 days, 60 days, and it hadn't sold, and the price isn't right because if it's priced right, it should move within 60 days, in my opinion. And, and Kevin, oh, to, to, to that, so when you see a house that's been on the market for, let's just say, a really long time, and they've been bringing that price down and down and down, what are the marketing implications to that from the psychology mm -hmm. of the buyer, potential buyers? That's an awesome question because it's not a, it's not a positive result from the mentality of the purchaser, future purchaser. It, it kind of dampens the listing. So you really want to be careful. Nobody wants to be the one who's like, oh, you bought that house that was on the market for 18 months. <laughs> right. Or if you're a buyer, before you even put it under contract, I mean, we hear it all the time, like, what do you think's wrong with this house? Why is it not sold? Why has it been on the market for six months? Why has it been on the market for 12 months? You know, so you really want to be careful when you price a property and listen to your professional. I would like to be that professional, Cabell Childress, 804-340-7000. But listen to your professional and just, they do this for a living. You know, definitely pick somebody that sells more than, 30 houses a year. I know you didn't ask me to say this stuff. Or four houses a year. <laughs> well, do, do you typically see the reason why properties like that aren't moving is because they're priced too high? Or is there really something wrong with the house? That's also a really good question. So when I'm in an appointment, and I truly believe and feel this, that there are three reasons why a house sells. It's, it's, it shows well. It's in a good location. It's priced well. And it's marketed correctly. So marketing, pricing, and how does it show? So it's a combination of those three. So it's not all price. I've seen, I've taken listings, Cabell Childress, 340-7000, area code 804. I've taken listings, literally, that have been priced well, that have sat for a year, 12 months, and I've listed that property and sold it within a day, sometimes a week, sometimes a month, and I put it on the market at this very same price, that we had, they had it listed with with another agent, and we sold it because we have the mark. We do more marketing, in my true, hopefully unbiased opinion, but not. But I, we do more marketing. There's nothing we don't do as far as marketing is concerned. So I have two questions, and Dave, I just interrupted Dave, but so we're talking about marketing for a second, because so we have some folks who are like, you know, I think I'll just sell the house myself. So talk about you've kind of hinted at it, but what are some of the things people should think about? Huh? What are some of the things people? Well, that's like think the of? worst idea I've ever heard of. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. No, no. Um, and, and it has a funky name, right? Fizbo, right? Which the first that. time I heard it, right? For sale by honor. Okay. I'm like, is this some type of Sicilian okay. clown? You know, Fizbo's coming to the party. Okay, you know? it's kind of yeah. creepy. It just. <laughs> You've hinted at a lot of the things though that the people don't often think about. I'm like, well, forget it. I, I, this house will sell itself, right? It's 
so great it will sell itself. Will a realtor ever bring well, their what client I've, to a house? Well, what I find is there are a lot of agents out there. I will say that I'm not one of them because we do put our clients first. We may not love it, but we do show for sale by owners. Um, because if our client wants to see it for sale by owner, we're just thankful that they are loyal enough to want us to be a part of it and advise them through the home purchasing process. Uh, but, uh, you know, for sale by owners, I mean, they do work for people in certain areas. But a lot of times I find that a for sale by owner, they want to save money. Uh, they overprice their – it's like a, they do – it's multiple. They, they, they overprice their home even though they're trying to save money. Um, seems like most of the times the prices are high, uh, and, but then you have another mentality of a, 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 a for sale by owner that if they're in a good area, that's why that's what's driving their decision to try to sell it on their own because they actually truly want an agent involved, so they're willing to pay three percent as opposed to six percent. So they feel like I can do this. I'm in a good area, and if I do it for sale by owner, I'm actually welcoming buyers agents because. They know what they're doing. I don't. And what honestly happens when we're involved in a for sale by owner is we actually do pretty much all the work for 3%. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they actually get a really good deal. And um, But this is what I tell people that are listing their home or thinking about doing a for sale by owner. I have sold, we sold, my team sold over 225 houses last year. We learned Every time we do a deal, we know how to negotiate. That's one thing that we find is a huge strength of working with someone on my team is our negotiation skills. And I'm pretty confident that I could sell your home through the expertise that I've learned with the transaction count that we do for more money than you can sell your home for. So the difference is about 3% because you're going to pay 3% to a buyer's agent Mm -hmm. anyways because all buyers, most buyers – 85% 85% of the buyers out there are going to have a real estate agent, and you are going to pay 3% to that real estate agent. So why not pay another 3%, have somebody that's going to sell your home for more money, yep. and they're also going to market your house properly, and they're going to expose it to more people, many more people than you're going to expose it to, and they're going to spend a lot more money on marketing than you are because we have the marketing budget. And, I mean, look, it's going to save you a ton of time. I mean, think about all the time you're going to spend doing something that you're not used to doing. Um, so That's a good answer. And I don't think it's really that safe. You're letting random dudes, random people come in your house. Like, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well said. I have So I have one more question. Uh, you guys, I'm going to look around the table, though. Cabal, I'll give you last the last thought if you want to add something before my question. but um, Or maybe I'll give it to you after. It's a fun one. You ever been involved with a haunted a house that has ghosts? Haunted house? I don't really believe in okay. ghosts, to okay. be honest with you. Um, I have opened doors in a little bit of a creepy home, thinking there may be a dead body behind it. Okay. But I don't believe in ghosts. That's just personal. Well, yeah. Did any of your sellers or buyers? I hear that people have seen that but I don't believe them. Good answer. So kind of in that vein, have you ever had anyone like super quirky, like they, what they were looking for, where you're like, I have no idea where to find this kind of property? Like, has anyone ever stumped you where you're just like, I don't know how to please this person? 
We work with people every year that we don't feel it's possible to please, to be honest with you. That was a trick question, wasn't it? It wasn't a trick question. I do think that you could, pro as a realtor, probably get involved with someone who, no matter what you take them to see, there's always something wrong. Very negative people, just they're negative by like nature. They just cannot, like, it has everything but this, or it has... They're perfectionists. They're mm -hmm. people that, that, you know, yes, there are people that are... That are so how do you Thank the Lord we have not run across many people like that, but we have run across people like that, that it's just it's almost impossible to please, and there's nothing out there that's good enough for them. That's got to be tough. Well, on that note, I want to say thank you to Kevin. Kevin Childress, thanks for joining us. Thanks. Appreciate yeah, it. Thanks thank for having so me, guys. Much. I appreciate it. it was, yeah. I was a little nervous at first, but uh, it's actually... Been good. Well, it was good. It was good having you. We'll put uh, we'll put Cabell's info on our website, uh, and if if you're not already a subscriber, check us out on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or if you like to keep it old school, check it out on Podbean.com. We're also on Instagram or Twitter at Evo Five Podcast, or Gmail at Evo Five Podcast at gmail.com. Anyway, thanks again to Cabell and the team, and we'll see y'all soon. Have a good one. Bye.